And when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I feel like what a lot of us need, and this makes my life pretty easy, is we just need some accountability and some cheerleading too. Welcome to The Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one size fits all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Oh my gosh, I just love the new intro so much. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but it doesn't it just fire you up from the music to the new mission and all of it just put together. I I hope it helps you feel like you have found your place amongst all of these other things you could be doing, other podcasts could you be listening to. I'm so glad you found your way here. So welcome to this episode of The Found Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and we have an exceptional interview today with my new friend, Ingela Onstadt. Ingela is a high-performance coach who helps performing artists and other professionals as they work through anxiety, mindset, confidence issues, imposter syndrome, so they can show up as their best selves in the public eye. And through her extensive history, you guys are going to love Ingela's story. She was a professionally trained opera singer turned therapist to now a high-performance coach, and she draws from all of those experiences to help her clients get out of their own way and show up as their best selves. And not only does she have this incredible wisdom and the tactical skills to share with us in today's episode, but she's also just so warm and genuine, and I know you're going to love, love, love this episode. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to my friend, Angela Onstedt of Courageous Artistry. Angela, I am so excited for today's conversation. Thank you so much for being here on the Found Podcast. Molly, I'm excited to be here, and I think you and I have a lot in common, and I am so excited to share what value I can with your audience. I am, like, the way that this interview came to be is really just like, I don't even have a word for it, but we were connected through a mutual friend. We got on a Zoom call just to kind of chat. And then we're like, at the very end, I think I was like, you know what? I have a podcast. Do you want to come be a guest? And you were like, oh my gosh, I love podcasts. And so it's all very like, all of these circumstances came together. The timing was just right. And Mm -hmm. I think that your message today is going to be just what our listeners have been really like searching for. So Why don't I turn it over to you? Give us a little introduction about who you are. And we are going to go into the story of the evolution of Ingela. So Mm -hmm. if you want to kick that off, you can too. Wonderful. Well, um, just piggybacking on what you were just saying, uh, one of my favorite words is serendipity. 
So that's the word that was coming to mind when you described what it's like sometimes in the world to just run across the path of someone with whom you click and you feel a shared um, mission and, and purpose out there in the world as, as female entrepreneurs and also in what we are both helping women. And I also work with men, but tend to work with more women, um, helping them do in their own businesses. But a little about me, the very sort of Cliff's Notes version of my life, because otherwise we could just sit here and talk for hours. Um, is that in my earliest years, my biggest dream um, that I felt a lot of purpose and drive towards was to become a professional opera singer. Um, grew up in a family who was into classical music. I was exposed to it from a young age. And I just felt this kind of, to most people, what seems like a very random desire to do this very uh, sort of niche and esoteric art form that not a lot of people know a lot about. But I had the you know, good fortune and, and worked very hard to create a career in opera for myself. I uh, trained in Montreal and then I moved to Germany for a decade, sang there professionally. Music and singing was always just it for me. It was the only thing I ever wanted to do and I was willing to make a lot of sacrifices for it. But then as sometimes these things go, uh, your life changes and your goals change. And I went through a divorce and that really caused me to sit back and ask myself some really big questions about my life and where my life was headed. And it just sort of seemed right that although I didn't necessarily feel like I had reached the pinnacle of my career that I wanted to, at the same time, my priorities had reshuffled and I recognized that I wanted to be back in the United States. So I uh, got a master's degree in vocal performance thinking I might want to go the academic route. I also enjoyed at the time, teaching voice, I had a private singing studio while in Germany and then back here in the States. And um, teaching voice didn't feel like exactly the right fit for me. And I was looking for that thing that felt as resonant and as exciting as music felt for me um, from sort of the next chapter of my life. And then it was um, my current husband who speak about that like I have dozens, but there's just been two. <laughs> <laughs> my, my husband now, he just reflected to me when um, we met early on that I was a fantastic listener and uh, really empathetic and that I really had a gift for being with people in that way. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that A, I knew that on a deep level, B, had been told that many times, C, had functioned sort of as a ersatz therapist or sort of a you know volunteer therapist to many people in my life. I'm just sort of that friend in the friend group who you go to to talk to about your deep stuff. And it just felt so right to me. And so I got a master's in counseling, um, became a therapist, did sort of traditional mental health talk therapy for a handful of years. And then once again, um, I'm, I'm just very deeply gut driven. And I just felt in my gut that my path wasn't quite finished. And then I kept on having people in my environment come to me saying, oh, well, you're a professional musician and you are a therapist. Can you work with me? And this was, this was primarily professional musicians that I know because I still have an active freelance career as a professional singer. So I kept having people pop up and saying, I need help with stage fright. I need help with performance anxiety. I need help from a person who understands what it's like to be so highly visible on a stage um, and knows what sort of particular stresses and pressures we go through as performers. Mm -hmm. So I started a coaching business, um, coaching because coaching is very future oriented and focused versus therapy, which 
I'm just going to make very sweeping generalizations right here. It's not always this way, but therapy, which is often um, very past focused, sort of oh, untying the knots in our like past. That, yes. Right. Oftentimes, you th if you think of like sort of the stereotypical therapy session, it's, you know, how was that for you back then? And what happened in your family of origin environment to cause you to develop in certain ways? And what kind of traumas from the past or difficulties from the past are you here to work out? While coaching, the way I view it, is very, um, very uh, holistically focused in that I view you as holistic, um, as a being, and not just sort of separate parts of you, but how are you functioning overall, and where do you want to go with all of this? And so it felt very exciting to me to work with folks who said, I, I have this issue, I may know where it comes from, and I may know what's happened in my past to cause it, I may not, some of it is just our nervous system. And so fast forwarding a little bit, like I said, I can tend to get a little verbose about my path, but fast forwarding a little bit, I've, I've worked with performers and other highly trained professionals. I have a professional football referee I work with. I have division one athletes that I work with who sort of found their way to me. Then I just started getting questions from my friend group around me here where I live, who are all um, highly motivated professionals coming to me and saying, I've got a job interview next week. And I'm, I'm really feeling really anxious about it. Can you help me with that? Sure, I can help you with that. So we'd get on the phone, pop on a call. Oh, I have a speech coming up for my alumni association, or I have a big trial I'm preparing for. Um, and I haven't been in the courtroom in a long time because of COVID, right? So all of these different things. And I started thinking, how can I expand my business to help more people with these very specific tools and skills? to A, learn how to manage our nervous system, our anxiety around showing up in front of others on any type of stage that we find ourselves on life, uh, in life, whether it's an actual stage or it's a Zoom presentation or it's an interview. And how can I also help them learn how to present themselves with their voices and their bodies in the way that I know how to do as a performer? Because there's a lot of um, tools and skills that we can uh, apply there that can help us not only appear more confident, but then in the long run, also feel more confident because we're showing up in that bigger, bolder, more confident way. Oh my gosh. I think that this is such an amazing example. And this is something we hear in a lot of our guests here on the podcast, but it's like you followed your intuition and you allowed yourself to evolve over the years as it felt right to you. Because so yes. often we can define businesses as being like, quote unquote, successful or unsuccessful if they've made it two years or five years or 10 years or whatever. And some businesses definitely do that. But there's all these tiny pivots or sometimes major changes along the way that allow you to kind of hone in and say, okay, I thought this was where I was going, but now this thing is calling me. And so you make these minor adjustments. And I love how throughout your journey, throughout your life experiences, everything has kind of come together. And in hindsight, the dots have connected to come into what is now Courageous Artistry and helping your clients with these very specific tools and skills, as you indicated, in order for them to show up as their best self in whatever that very visible role is. I think it's so cool to hear how your story has come together into this. Oh, thank you. And I'm just going to say right now that you stated that so beautifully. And I'm glad that this is going to be in podcast form because I feel like I'm going to go back and 
transcribe exactly what you just said, uh, because it's just <laughs> such a beautiful description of, of my journey and my business. Well, don't ask me to repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. We've recorded it. We'll go back it, so we'll to the fine. recording. <laughs> no, this is perfect. Um, yeah. So tell me, like, in the clients that you're working with today, as you said, they kind of run the spectrum, right, for a variety of professionals, like different roles and professions. Yes. So tell me a little bit about how do you start with a client and how do you know and tap into what they uniquely need in order to become this more confident version of themselves? Yeah, that's a, a good question. And I think it's a big part of um, what makes me unique in my approach to things is that because of the background I've had as just a, a straight, you know, sort of quote unquote normal therapist in clinical settings, dealing with a wide variety of issues, a wide variety of people, different uh, genders, different ages, different family uh, constructs. Um, I've done family therapy, couples therapy, individual children, teenagers, adults. I had a 99-year-old client at one point that I've, I really learned through those experiences to spend a lot of time at the beginning. And this is, you know, part of your training as a therapist as well. Spend a lot of the time at the beginning, really getting to know someone, really listening, really trying to figure out the greater landscape of their life. So for example, if someone comes to me, I have a, a client who very excitingly just recently made her Broadway debut. So exciting, oh right? Gosh. And she started working with me shortly before she was making this debut, before she even knew she was making her debut. But at the beginning of the process, Although she was sort of in a, a minor crisis in her uh, professional life at the time, I had a lot of exercises and um, activities that I wanted her to do also, you know, in between sessions to explore who she is so that she could come back and tell me more so that she could uh, explore her own values and her priorities. She could look at her life as a whole, not just her career as a performer, but to say, how do I feel like I'm doing in many areas of my life? And we do not have to uh, work on all of those areas at once. And sometimes in our lives, and I, you know, I'm sure this will resonate with you and your listeners as well. Sometimes in our lives, we might have an area where we say, you know what, this isn't going as well as I would like it to, but I don't have the headspace to devote any time and energy to it right now, right? I think a big thing for um, a lot of us, one very common struggle is, for example, um, let's say an exercise routine. Right. And I have been in periods of my life where I have to say, although I want to be a healthy person and exercising more regularly, right now I'm going to settle for what I consider to be the bare minimum of just body maintenance, <laughs> you know, yep. walking my dog for 20 minutes a day or something like that. And I have aspirations later on to go back to the gym. But right now I'm in a season of my life where X, Y, and Z are taking highest priority. And I have to be realistic that I can't fit everything in all the time, all at once to the nth degree, although gosh, that doesn't stop me from trying sometimes. <laughs> so I really think it's the, the therapy room that gave me that ability to hear and see a client more fully and to help connect the dots, as you were saying before, to their current struggles. And what's so interesting about working with my clients is I, I have a lot of materials that I share with them, but every process is very unique and individual because um, you know, a fellow female entrepreneur who comes to me because, for example, she may want to uh, show up on social media more visibly, like on live video or even pre-recorded video, but she's 
she's scared. She doesn't want to. She feels scared on camera, etc. I know you talk about these things all the time with people as well. She's going to have different uh, things to talk about and think about and things to work on than a client of mine who, you know, finds themselves on, on nationally televised, uh, you know, football games or something like that. So that's so fun for me to get to know all of these beautiful individuals and to figure out what is it that you specifically need. And when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I feel like what a lot of us need, and this makes my life pretty easy, is we just need some accountability and some cheerleading too. Mm -hmm. We need to know that our struggles are normal, that we're not weird for feeling the way we feel, and that there's also things we can do about it. And if we set goals and if we know that somebody's there to help us achieve those goals, help keep us accountable, help figure out why we may struggle with accountability to ourselves, we can do so much. And so I just, I, I love what I get to do. It just never, it's never boring. It's never dull. It's always fun. And again, it really brings together all of the various experiences that you've had in your life and being able to sit across the table from someone, or in this case, maybe across a Zoom session <laughs> and really be able to take your experiences and the tools in your own toolkit to listen to this person's story and then say, ah, I know how I can help you, whether it is accountability, like which way to approach this accountability is going to be best. So it does really speak to your expertise and your breadth of experience and being able to really read a person and know how to best help him or her. Um, I was really drawn into how you said like you spend so much of the time up front because everything is so unique and individual. And I feel like right now in this modern day and age, we all are going for like speed and we're all going for like quick transformations. And we really want to like minimize that time that it's going to take. But I love that you talked about like how it is a time investment up front because when we want these lasting results and these really life changing impact. Like we've got to take the time to get deep and unpack. And I thought that was really cool when you were talking about that part of your process. Thank you. And I think probably a lot of people, and I'm sure you do this as well, we, we intuitively do some of that. We spend some time deepening the relationship. But we say in the therapy world that the relationship between therapist and client is actually the greatest predictor of good outcomes. And there's a lot of research to support that. So we can try to get fancy with tools and techniques. But if you don't feel safe with me, if you don't feel safe to truly open up and share with me, it's hard to get anywhere because you're, you're feeling uncomfortable or you don't know if you can trust me or you're going to hide aspects. So one of my deepest goals with anybody in my life, in all my relationships, but definitely with my clients, is to create a container of safety and trust and for you to know that even if it seems really off the wall, if you come in and say, can I talk about this today? It's maybe not exactly related, but I just feel like I need to share this with you. Then heck yeah, we can totally go there. And what's so interesting about it is that almost all the time, high percentage of the time, it ends up kind of leading us back to what brought you to me in the first place. Yeah, because in that holistic approach that you talked about, like everything in your life, like we can't really compartmentalize, even though as hard as we want to try, compartmentalizing work over here and parenthood over here and our partnership over here and our self-care over here. It all really does fit together in that holistic sense like you talked about. Yeah, so it's very true. Yeah, and I think that it's very 
I can't, I'm struggling at words today, but it's like, it almost brings me a peace to know and to hear you say that, like, you're there to be a partner with this person on their own journey and to help them feel like, you know, you might feel like you're alone in this, but you're not. And there's so much power in that sense of like, somebody else has done this before, somebody else has gone through this before. And having that partner who can hold your hand through it like you do is really crucial, whether this person is a lawyer or a professional athlete or an entrepreneur, like just being able to be seen and heard and feel like you're not by yourself is huge. Oh, so, so huge. I think it's one of the biggest, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but a psychologist from the 50s, right? He created this this sort of pyramid shape, the hierarchy of needs. And you know, of course, we all need you know food and shelter and water and air, and we need safety and um, security. And we then our next need is love and belonging. And I think that kind of speaks to our deep need for love and belonging. And I always find it interesting that when I um, am working with people in the coaching relationship, and I have clients all over the world, many of whom speak different languages and write that English is not their native tongue, but it's so universal that one of our fears in, let's say, showing up more visibly online on our social media, as an example that might be more pertinent to your audience, mm-hmm. one of our fears is that we'll be rejected, mm-hmm. we'll be laughed at, we will be um, somehow not loved, not, not seen, not accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our fear of rejection, Molly, and like I said, I'm sure you relate to this, your clients relate to it, everybody relates to this, is such a baked in part of our biology, actually, because we have a deep need as humans to feel safe in our social structures. Because back eons ago, when we were, um, you know, cave people living in smaller groups and tribes, Had we angered the most important and powerful people in the tribe around us, that might have been, that might have meant that we could have been left out in the cold to die. I mean, it's a sort of morbid example, but it's true. And or we could have um, been demoted within the social structures and had less access to resources and mates and important things, right? So animals create this sort of structure and social hierarchy in their groups. And we do as humans as well. And although we're not living in those times anymore. It's almost like our brain uh, is still working to sort of catch up. But Mm -hmm. showing up online can be, I think, a very, very vulnerable thing for most of us, myself included. And I'm a performer. I'll happily get up and sing an opera for three hours in front of a thousand people. But I really, at the beginning of my business, had to work on figuring out how to get up the courage to post a reel. Oh, and I think this is something I'm I'm loving that we're talking about this because this is something I hear again and again from my clients as well. It's like they're happy all day to give me quotes or to give me pictures. But if I ask for a video, it's like, ah, I just don't like seeing myself on camera. I hate hearing myself in a recording. And Mm -hmm. I want to tell them it's okay. I understand because so many people, myself included, have felt that way. But being able to show up in that way is so courageous, so endearing, so authentic. You like can't, like people can read you through that screen and you don't have these layers of beautiful graphics or anything like that. Yes. You're ju- it's just you and you're connecting with the person. And yes. so it does feel super vulnerable. 
oh, it feels super vulnerable, but you're right. The reason you encourage people to do that is not only because the current algorithms like it a lot, but <laughs> also because, yeah, when we meet even on a screen, when I see somebody on a screen or hear their voice, we are all searching for deep levels of connection. And I do believe that our world in many ways, while amazing, has gotten lonelier and lonelier for many of us because not only in, you know during the pandemic, especially then, but because we're moving to this more digital world and we are lacking deep connection. I can't tell you how many therapy clients, for example, I had for whom loneliness was a big struggle. Mm -hmm. So when we feel like we can really connect with someone, even if it's just through watching their videos, there's this strange sense about it like, oh, I kind of feel like I know that person or I'm sort of a part of their world. We all have this very uh, instinctual sort of voyeuristic tendency to want to know more about Molly's life. And when she's on a video and we get to listen and be like, oh, and her background looks like this and her hair is like this today. And there's, it's, it sounds kind of weird and creepy, but I, we all have it, right? It's this, and I, I, I believe once again, it comes back to that deep need for love and belonging. And when we're showing up vulnerably on video for the first time, not liking how we look and how we sound and all the things on some deep, deep level, very subconscious, we worry about rejection. Mm. So if you have someone come to you and you're talking, let's use this example, continue to use it about like showing up on social media, for example, and you have, let's say a female entrepreneur come to you and she's having these feelings of resistance around showing up on social media. What are some tools or some strategies that you give her to start overcoming these feelings? or maybe not overcoming them, but work through them. Yes, and thank you for that phrasing, because I think where a lot of us get stuck is even just in our wording of some of these issues, we all have this hidden expectation that somehow we have to wait to feel confident before we can take the action. Mm -hmm. And we don't, when you watch a baby, they don't just sit there and think about how they're gonna walk and then sit there a long time on their cute little behinds and then stand up and do it. Mm -hmm. What does a baby do? They scoot. They, well, they, you know, they roll over, they scoot, they crawl, then they start hoisting themselves up on things and they fall down over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. How many hundreds of times you're a mom, did your kids fall down before they learn to stand up and walk, right? And then even when they're doing that, even when their toddlers running around full speed, they still fall down, but they don't stop. They don't fall down the first time and say, oh, well, I guess I'm just not going to be any good at this and it really hurts and that stinks. So I'm out. Mm -hmm. So we need to recapture some of that um, curiosity and explorative energy. So some of this process that I work through with clients, Molly, is I first um, and foremost help them understand what's happening on a biological level. And that tends to be a very um, comforting and normalizing experience for my clients. So I do just a little bit of education around that. Here's why you feel the way you feel. And of course you are an individual and, and have had your unique experiences in life and some of those tie into it as well. But this is a very human experience to fear this. And here's why we humans fear all of this. And sometimes even just being able to explain the biology to them removes such a weight off their shoulders that they can then begin moving forward more courageously. But then it's also a process for me, first and foremost, with my clients, before we get into any of the voice and body work, I want to help give them tools to learn to manage their anxiety. 
so that when they're sitting there and they're all ready to go and their camera's on the tripod or whatever it is that they're doing, that they learn how to go through a few strategies. Some of them are, uh, you know, somatically based where we're focusing in on our physical sensations. We're learning some tools to work through that, such as breathing and visualization, etc. And some of these are cognitive tools where we are, um, I'm helping my clients recognize negative self-talk patterning so that they can learn to stop some of it in its tracks and reframe or rephrase that thought in a, um, into the type of self-talk that's going to be more helpful and supportive, not positive affirmations. While I like those and I like the idea of positive affirmations, they don't work for most of us. And I find they're a little kind of overused, like, oh, just tell yourself you're amazing at it and then you'll be great. No, tell yourself you're amazing. It's something that you don't like doing, that you have a lot of fear around and a lot of insecurity around. Your brain won't believe it. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's only so much of the sort of, you know, Pollyanna self-talk that we can use. And, and so we need to learn how to say kinder and more supportive things to ourselves around this. And then we practice that. We practice it through journaling. We practice it um, by repeating these thoughts to ourselves. We develop little sort of routines and rituals around this. And then we also have to accept that the first few times, or maybe even the first dozen times, or maybe even the first hundred times we do this thing, we might feel uncomfortable, but likely with time, it'll get more and more comfortable. I'm sure it has for you on social media. I know it has for me, although I I still have my ups and downs in these phases. Like Mm -hmm. if I take a break from social media, then I come back to make a reel. Oh, I go through those experiences again. But this comes down to sort of processing of our emotions around it. We can't expect to feel happy and excited to do this. And it's okay to feel uncomfortable. It doesn't mean that everybody can see it and it doesn't mean that we're doing anything wrong, but oftentimes we feel scared, we feel uncomfortable, we feel anxious, and we wanna run away from those yucky, difficult emotions and not feel them. Mm -hmm. And really we have to learn how to process them and work through them, like you said, versus just trying to like make them disappear or, you know, wish them away or how do I how do I get rid of my xyz emotion well newsflash you don't because you're human (laughs) I think this is fantastic that you're separating it out into these two things so showing up as your best self is going to involve the deep work the mental mindset the knowing and processing the feelings in your body and then understanding what you can do proactively to work through that And that is the basis, that is the foundation to showing up, whether it's a social media video or in a public speaking event. And then you can get into the vocal exercises or the body language training, but it so much starts with how you're feeling internally. I think that is beautiful advice for our listeners today. Well, thank you. I think that a lot of times we we hold ourselves back out of fear and we feel the fear and it feels yucky of course and we we think that we're not supposed to feel it or that it's somehow bad to feel it or that we should only be feeling happy and positive but i just say to clients all the time you know emotions are like the rainbow we can't wish away some of the colors they're all going to be there in varying levels at some time and we can also feel excited and fearful at the same time right that it's it's possible to feel happy about something and then also sad about something else. 
Um, we are complicated beings. And the, the cool thing about being a coach is that the clients who are coming to me are already pretty highly functioning. Many of them have done the therapy work in their lives. If they haven't, if I sense that there's some deeper therapeutic work that needs to be done, then I refer them elsewhere before they come to work with me. Or many of them have therapists that they work with in other areas of their lives, and that's helpful to them. And they can also work with me as a coach because it's a whole different skill set. And um, it's, it's, it's goal-oriented and future-focused and um, much more of a kind of um, a process that builds a lot of momentum so that hopefully when they're finished with the coaching process with me, they can look back and say, wow, I accomplished a lot of my goals during that time. Ah, oh, that's amazing. There's one thing you said that I want to come back to for just a second. And you said that in a lot of cases, you feel that there's something there that's holding back. Like we're wanting to put ourselves out there, but there's just this thing that we're like, I don't know, this feels scary. Maybe I'm going to put myself out there and it's going to be a disappointment or something like that. And I don't know if I'm ready for that, if I can handle it. And I know that in our last conversation that you and I had had in our private Zoom call, we were talking about this concept of imposter syndrome and how that pops up for a lot of people. And particularly in our last discussion, we said it's very prevalent among females. So can you touch on this a little bit? And like, what is this concept of imposter syndrome? And do you see this popping up at this point with your client relationships? Oh, most definitely. And what I would like to say to sort of put, a, uh, put it into a deeper context is what I find so interesting. I find humans fascinating and I, and I love what I do. I it's could so talk cool, about this but, stuff yeah, all the time. Right, we do. Um, many of us know that we have a fear of failure. We go, oh, I don't want to fail. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to get up and make a fool of myself. I don't want to um, this and that. However, I find in my work with clients, many of us also have a deep fear of success. So we get caught a little bit on this tightrope of, I don't want to fail, but I also am afraid of being too big and bold and shining too brightly. And I know I deal with this in my own life, which is probably kind of strange for many people to hear. They go, well, you're, you're a professional singer. You stand up on stages with people applauding for you and uh, you want to be successful. You should, you're probably very comfortable with that. But for a lot of us, and I, I believe that especially we as women, we've been heavily socialized to make sure that others around us feel comfortable before we ourselves feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we know on a very deep level that shining really brightly, being very bold, making big moves in our lives, earning a lot of money, uh, I don't know, changing your style, driving a, a new car, you know, you name it can feel very exposed and can feel on a level like we are somehow going to alienate others around us with our success or our happiness or our brightness. Mm-hmm. And, and so while, yes, I do believe that imposter syndrome is a big thing, I think there's also that sort of other context to content. I agree. And I think that like at every level of, and I'm sure that in your entrepreneurial journey too, you felt it in addition to your um, performance career. But there's different levels of entrepreneurship and you come to that ceiling and you're like, Oh, this is where I'm at right now. I could just like go back to this comfort zone that I'm like used to people know me like this. 
or I can push through and I can do this next thing. But that feels really raw. But that I agree is like, it's different. It's a little bit different. This fear Mm -hmm. of success and this putting yourself out there and shining brightly, but it's just as fear inducing as the imposter syndrome could be. Yeah. And the imposter syndrome really goes right along with that, where it's that question of who am I to want so much? Who am I to show up like this? Who am I to be the expert on this? I'm not qualified enough. I'm not good enough at this yet. And we, as women, are notoriously very, very hard on ourselves. And um, we, you know, studies have shown, and I'm, I'm going to misquote these exact stats, but it's something pretty staggering. Like if there's a job posted and if a male identifying person does not meet um, all of the requirements, you know, they'll, they'll apply for it anyways. Like 90% of them will apply for it anyways, whereas only like 60% of women mm-hmm. will apply for it if they don't meet all the requirements. So we we'll tend for to, the exact, yeah, yeah, it'll be no. like armchair expert where we go in and do the fact check. Exactly. But yeah, I'll make do. sure that we note that in the um, show notes. <laughs> it's something like that, or maybe it's a, more along the lines of, you know, women will only apply for the job if they meet 90% of the requirements and something. I, mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm getting this scrambled, but you get the general gist of it. And so we, we do, we tend to suffer from more imposter syndrome, and this will be um, likely doubled or tripled or quadrupled. Um, also, perhaps if you are a person of color, or you belong to another type of minority group, or maybe you grew up in a lower socioeconomic status. Um, so there are multiple challenges that, or you have a disability, there are multiple challenges that we can face on all of these levels that are going to be affected by culture, gender, privilege, all of these different societal, larger human issues. But yes, I do believe that for a lot of women, you know, it even comes down to something really simple, such as many women are and 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 men if we're talking about heterosexual relationships right now um don't want to be the breadwinner or fear being the breadwinner or their male partners may fear them being the breadwinner so if we're trying to push ourselves to shine and grow and be bold and take these bigger moves there is the fear of failure and then there's also the fear of what if this all works out really well for me and then i have to deal with the uncomfortable feelings perhaps of the people around me. But yeah, imposter syndrome holds us back all the time because we're constantly telling ourselves that we're not good enough. And when I'm working with clients, Molly, I am trying my darndest to help them see that, um, once again, this might sound a little bit like a morbid example, but there's been a beautiful book written on this subject called The Five Last Five Regrets of the Dying or something like that by a, a, a former hospice nurse. I believe her name is Bronnie Ware. And she really did a lot of research in her experience being with people on hospice at the end of their lives and collecting the research and finding what are the most common regrets that people talk about and it's usually things like you know along the lines of i didn't show up i didn't go as bold and as big i didn't pursue my dreams i was afraid of failing i kept myself too small there's also a lot of stuff there around relationships but pertinent more pertinent to our topic And so I tell my clients all the time, do you want to look back on your life and and think, wow, I wish I would have just had the courage to try. I didn't try. I didn't go for that big thing that I wanted. Or do you want to look back and say, you know, even if it didn't work out, I really went for it and I fell down and I got bruised and banged. But I think that bruising and banging, we are more equipped to deal with than the bruising and banging of, 
I let my dreams pass me by mm. out of fear. Oh, and I love all of the different threads that come into what you do. And there is, and I'll speak to even like some of my examples, like hiring my first team member. When she approached me, I was like, who am I to, why would somebody want to work with me? But then like unpacking some things, I'm like, okay, let's do this. And then I had somebody come in and she was like, I want to work for you full time. So like, this is like not an independent contractor, like this is somebody. And then I had the questions of like, well, how am I going to support her? She's got a family. Like, oh my gosh. And so it is, it's so much like there is this imposter syndrome or this like upper limit in success. And it's so rooted in us as women, like just being fearful and like being disappointed, like afraid of disappointing others mm -hmm. and ourselves. Yes. And I love that you tied in that book because what's the, when you go for these big things that are on your heart, whether it's like launching a business that you're advertising on social media or like auditioning for that musical that you've always dreamed of. Like what's the worst that could happen? If you try and you fail, at least you put yourself out there. At least you attempted. If you don't, you're just still going to be where you're at today and wondering yeah. what could have been. Yep. And that failure and that, you know, falling down and not getting the thing, it of course is painful. And of course it's completely natural. We'd want to shy away from that. But then I also help my clients deal with that rejection or that quote unquote failure. It's not failure. It's actually progress, mm -hmm. but it can take a while to learn how to sit with those emotions because it tends to trigger some of our deeper wounds from our past, our fears of being unworthy, unloved, unlovable, et cetera. So we can learn then also how to cope with the rejection as a performer, how to cope with a lot of rejection. I'm doesn't sure. mean I, I, you know, um, like I'm just expert at coping with it now, but I have more tools and skills to say, oh, I didn't get that role or I didn't get a part in that show or they didn't hire me for this or, ooh, look, so-and-so got that concert that I wanted and I feel the feeling and I now know how, how I can process that feeling and still keep moving forward. Ah, oh, so good. And to your point that you brought up earlier, and I think at that time we were talking about just showing up on social media, but like the more you do it, it's going to get a little bit easier. It's going to get a little more routine. And just to your point now, like you can process through maybe some of those disappointing emotions a little bit faster. So then you can launch yourself ahead and not lose the momentum that you've been working to build. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I had to sum up in one sentence, um, inspired by what you just said, Molly, I, I help people get unstuck and I help them stay mm. unstuck. Because getting stuck, sometimes it has its purposes and sometimes there's a period where we have to stay stuck so that we can pump the brakes and just sit for a moment and think about if we're proceeding in the right direction for ourselves. But I like to help people untangle the threads of, am I not doing this because I just truly don't want it and it's not in line with my goals and dreams? Or am I not doing this because fear and imposter syndrome and all of those things? Because oh, if it's the latter, we don't we don't want to look back at some point in our lives and, and realize that we have let all of this fear hold us back. That's so, so, so great. Angela, I love all this. This is so much fun. <laughs> I love like in my former life as a teacher, we yeah. had to do so much like 
psychology and like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. and all of this. It's And it's so fascinating because we feel kind of bringing back what we talked about before that we are so different than everybody else and we are so unique and nobody knows what we're going through. And to a degree, that's true. But also there's so much about us that's similar and it yeah. can feel like, especially for those who are on the entrepreneurial path, if there's no clear like set of steps to get where you want to go and you've got to kind of build that yourself, it can feel very isolating. And just knowing that, you know, there's other people who have been down this, there's people like yourself who can help you through this journey and make it a little bit less confusing or scary. It's just, there's so many tools available out there now. And I think that you've brought that together so perfectly for anybody who's listening and feels like they're in that stuck space. There are people who are out there to help you if you're just courageous enough to put yourself out there and ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very well put Molly. And, um, you know, we're lucky. I feel lucky, um, that I was building my business primarily during a time when zoom did become so popular because I started my coaching business in January of 2020. Oh my yeah, gosh, we didn't knew, even touch on that. Right. And I knew that um I knew that I would have a clientele that was, you know, national, if not international, because I was first focusing on performers and I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and you know, where there's not a ton of professional performers here. So I knew I'd be looking outside the state and into other countries and the other places where I have ties and community. But um yeah, it's it's amazing how we can just kind of hopefully hear a conversation on a podcast that inspires us. And I know I've done this in the past. And then I go follow that person on social media and I learn more about them. And then maybe I go have a consultation call with them or a discovery call and go, hey, are your services right for me? And then we can make all these really cool and deep connections just via via Zoom and online and by, you know, I, I'm talking to you now from many states away and it's just all very, a very fun and exciting time. Serendipitous, like you. Yes, precisely. My favorite word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, we didn't. I should have brought that up sooner, but yeah, I feel like for those who got started in some of these um, burgeoning careers before, like the pandemic and all that, like even what I do with social media, like there was the social media pre-pandemic, and we knew that like these virtual options were going to be important, right? But Mm -hmm. we didn't know how important it would be to maintaining relationships and connection and community in the way that it was in 2020 and 2021. And so like, yeah, you're what you started at the beginning of that year, it proved to be so important to helping people through that time period, I imagine. Yeah. You know, it was not without its struggles, obviously, like all of us entrepreneurs have for sure. But you know, it, 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 it is what it is. And I launched it when I launched it and I learned the lessons and had the, the growth opportunities that I did. But yeah, just sort of in summation too, I, I love helping entrepreneurs um, figure out how to move forward in these ways that have to do with our deeper psychology, because there are so many great tools out there. And I think, you know, I'm sure you see this sometimes in what you do. It all ties in. We do need the tools and the strategies for social media, of course. But if we gather all those tools and strategies and then we just sit on it because we're too terrified, well, then all the courses in the world don't matter to us because we're not exactly. going to use them. We're not going to implement those things. We're not going to take the risks. Exactly. And you have to get into that sense of action and putting what you've learned into work for you. 
Uh, Angela, we could keep talking forever, but I know we're getting close on time. So why don't you let us know and the listeners know if they want to go learn more about you, they want to learn more about courageous artistry and the ways that you can help. How can they connect with you? Yeah, they can go to my website and send me a message through my website and we can set up a consultation call. It's 30 minutes. It's totally free. It's a no strings attached way to chat with me and see if we feel like a good fit for one another and learn more about my coaching program. They can also follow me on pretty much all the socials. I'm not on Twitter, um, at Courageous Artistry Everywhere. I'm also on LinkedIn under my first and last name. I love connecting with people there. Um, I've taken a little brief, brief respite from creating video content on any social media. Just I feel like summertime always gets a little busy and then you get back into the swing of things mm-hmm. in fall. But I do aim to provide a lot of free content. I have a, um, you know, a free download on my site and uh, I just I love to connect with people. So if somebody hears this and wonders, is this the right fit for me and my business? Um, just because I've mentioned a lot of performers and athletes and stuff like that, you too, my friend, are sort of the performer in your own life and your own business, right? And you are the front person of your business looking to show up in a bigger, bolder, more confident way. And um, I, I just, I love helping people get more out of their own way and get more into that momentum and that forward motion. Ah, oh, that's so, so beautiful. Uh, we always end every episode with what I call the small talk round. And it's just a few off the cuff, unprepared questions that I just like to know. So nice. are you up for playing small talk? For oh, totally. I'm an open book. So <laughs> wonderful. All right. Question number one, what is a book or a podcast that you like have to tell everybody about when you first encounter them? Oh, I'd say the book that I recommend to clients most often, and it's so readable and it has been such an important book in psychology, research, and literature, is the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. D-W-E-C-K. It's a fantastic book. She uh, did such groundbreaking research into fixed mindset versus growth mindset. It's going to sound familiar to a lot of people, but reading the book is really transformational for people. Because even highly, highly functioning, highly intelligent, highly motivated people can suffer from very specific mindset issues that happen um, when we view ourselves as smart and capable. So it's not just that we need to learn how to view ourselves as more smart and capable and able to learn. It's that sometimes even feeling smart and capable or talented or whatever it is, in it, interestingly, can be its own, own type of boundary. So if you want to learn more, read that book. Okay. So just like a side note tangent that kind of goes along with that. I remember within months of me starting my business, somebody had called me creative and I was like, I'm not creative. Have you ever seen me try to draw a stick figure? I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not a creative person. And they said to me, Molly, look at all the ways that you are creative. They're like, you do Mm -hmm. like photos, you make video. And then It was just, I still think back to that conversation because I think that was a transformational time where I went from being like fixed, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not, to maybe I am. And then it's just opened so many doors. Oh, yeah. Very, very exciting. Then you should read this book too. You would really, really like it. Mm, Okay. Uh, Question two. You're working at your desk in the morning. What are we likely to find you snacking on or drinking? 
Oh, well, in the morning, um, I do intermittent fasting, which some people are familiar with. So I drink only black coffee and water until about noon or one. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've not dug too far into intermittent fasting, but do you help feel like it helps you like feel yeah. your best? Yes. It really helps me feel my best. I mean, some people use it as weight management and I have used it that way in the past, but it also, um, a lot of people wouldn't believe this until they try it. And it's not for everybody by any means. Um, but, um, it really helps sharpen your mental clarity for a lot of people who like it. So some people do it kind of as a high performance technique and I'm, I'm all into like hacks and, and biohacks and high performance things. I'm just sort of obsessed with it, which is why I like that I get to do it for a job. So, <laughs> so that's oh, what it is. <laughs> that's so interesting. And every time that like I know how to eat in line with what my, I've learned how my body likes to be mm -hmm. nourished yes. and I still fall into these traps of like, oh yeah, let's get some pizza. We'll have a couple beers. But yeah. like, once you know how you feel when mm -hmm. you're fueling your body the right way yeah. for you, mm -hmm. it's like your mental focus is there. Your energy is through the roof and yeah. like, it's just amazing. Yeah. I, I live by an 80, 80, 20 principle. I'm, I'm no rules on the weekend, eat what I want, drink what I want, <laughs> maybe a little too much sometimes, but uh, like I, I like to be very structured about it during the week. And then on the weekends, I give myself permission to be more free. Mm, love that. Okay. Last question. What is one thing you have on your bucket list personally, not professionally, mm -hmm. before okay. the end of the year? Ooh, goodness. Before the end of the year, I was thinking of a trip that I want to take next year, but um, before the end of the year, gosh, I think I'm going to have to bend the rules a little bit, Molly, and expand it. Well, I could say this. Um, my husband and I have been meaning to travel to Vietnam because we've been to Southeast Asia before and really enjoyed it. And Vietnam was on our bucket list prior to the pandemic. And so we're hoping to plan a trip to Vietnam for next year. But, you know, some of the planning might take place this year. So <laughs> that's a little bit of a cheat. <laughs> I checked with the judge. They said that will oh, work. Thank you so much. <laughs> Angela, it was so much fun chatting with you today. And I know this is going to hit home for so many of our listeners. They'll have some takeaways in the specifics that you talked about, as well as just some of the overarching concepts that we touched on today. So I appreciate you taking the time. And I'm so thankful and grateful that you shared your gifts and your knowledge with us today. Thank you, Molly. And I think you're doing a wonderful thing and good luck with the new direction of the podcast. And I am happy to be a guest on your podcast anytime. We could do a part two sometime down the road because I could probably go on about this stuff for hours and hours and hours. So I just feel like I, I, I love sharing. I love chatting in, in this medium. I love podcasts myself. So I hope that your audience, when they listen, will find at least one part of this helpful and pertinent to their own journey. Wonderful. Thank you. Hey, friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week, and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.